This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hello and welcome back to the Platinum Sports Euro podcast, episode uh, 11 now. Uh, if you haven't listened to any of the previous episodes, do feel free to give them a listen back. Uh, we've got loads of group previews and stuff talking about the home nations in their first games uh, and, and we'll have more stuff coming in the next few days. Uh, today though, we've we've nearly reached the, the halfway point in the tournament. Um, group F and, and the last game of Group E are playing out today. But it, it seemed like a good time to return to talk about, uh, well, the drab game that was England-Scotland, but also the the rest of the groups and, and how certain teams are faring, uh, mostly having played two of their three group games. Uh, to do so, I, I will not be enlisting my expertise, but rather um, that of three fine gentlemen on this Zoom call with me. Uh, I've got Matt Stiles. How are you doing? Uh, Ollie Phillips. Hi, guys. And last but not least, George Sims. Hello, all. Good stuff. Okay, well, um, I guess first thing to do is initial thoughts so far, two game weeks into the tournament. Uh, we'll get on to a bit of England-Scotland, so Matt, you can rear your Raheem Sterling agenda soonish. Um, but I'll come to you first, just sort of, um, I guess, general thoughts about the first couple of weeks, uh, any teams that stood out. I mean, we'll get into all of that, but just sort of general thoughts. Yeah, um, it's been exciting, obviously. But often I feel like the first halves of games can be a bit drab, quite not as not as exciting as I hope they'd be. I don't think enough players have announced themselves yet. Um, I'm looking for that real sort of bit to grab you and really hook you in. That I feel like it's been going through the motions the first couple of game weeks. I don't know if you disagree with that, but being quite anticlimactic, um, England especially summed that up last night. So I was wondering what, what you guys thought. Yeah, I think I think probably. I mean, I'll, I'll open up, but I think could could it perhaps be? I mean, we always say that sort of tournament football can be pretty cagey. Uh, I guess if you if you pair that with the the long sort of COVID shortened season, Ollie, could, could that be perhaps a reason why teams are perhaps sort of slow off off the marks? Uh, yeah, I think it's perfectly excusable if players are a little bit tired. Uh, I think as we'll get on to Harry Kane, looks a prime example of that. Um, I think it's also maybe an influence of bigger tournaments with more teams playing uh, third place, potentially going through. I think that's bound to produce a slightly more conservative brand of football. Um, there seems to be a lot more teams happy to um, happy with draws. Um, so I'd agree that there's been some slightly turgid games yesterday in, in particular. Um, but yeah, I think it's just an influence of more teams in the tournament and a more conservative brand of football. And as you say, probably it's been a very long season, a very condensed one, uh, and players might just be a bit knackered. Yeah, George, Ollie, Ollie mentioned that um, that third place um, rule, the, the fourth best third place teams. Uh, we saw that, I think, in the last Euros as well. And, and there were some elements where teams were perhaps being more defensive, knowing that basically one win and a positive goal difference gets you through. Is that is that perhaps sort of a final contributory factor? Yeah, I mean, I think we've definitely seen that from some of the teams. I think international football, as we said, is naturally more cagey and defensive anyway. But I also think there has been some quite good attacking football, some quite good attacking games. I think I remember reading before the competition that it took until like sort of this point at Euro 2016 before a team scored three goals. And we've seen, I mean, Italy have done it twice. Holland did it in the first game. We've seen quite a few few games now where teams are scoring sort of three goals or there are more than three goals in the game. 
which I feel like we, we might not see going through the rest of the competition. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, you've seen some fairly cagey, scrappy games from teams. I think actually a lot of times from the bigger teams that have been playing that slightly more um, defensive, cagey football. If you look at the Spain, I mean, France, we've seen a bit of, a bit of it from, um, yeah, obviously Italy haven't. Italy have been brilliant, but we've been, we're definitely added to the list along with them. Um, Spain, France, I mean, Portugal did for 85 minutes of the first game as well. Um, but I, hope, I think looking at teams like Ukraine, for example, they've really gone out fighting. Um, I've really enjoyed watching that sort of their football. Yeah, we'll get on to Ukraine and, and perhaps some more positive stuff. But I think the first, the first port of call is uh, the game last night. Uh, me and Matt were both at, at the, the Riverside watching it in front of the smallest big screen uh, in in history, um, I mean, I I I I remained optimistic, and I still do to an extent that I think if you'd have asked most England fans uh, before these first two games, would you have taken four points against England, Croatia? I reckon most would have said yes. Matt, does that does that perhaps not offer the full story in terms of um, we'd we'd have much rather have got four points in a in a in a far better way, and certainly uh, three points against that Scottish team last night. Yeah, I can vouch for how annoyingly optimistic you were being throughout the 90 minutes and the uh, and the train back as well. Yeah, I don't. I think Southgate's afforded too many excuses, to be honest, uh, throughout its five years now, I think it is. Um, four games is great. We're through the group, which obviously is the main thing. But the, the style um, that we play is, is just appalling. I don't know how he can't get a tune out of this, of this team. I don't know why we need two attacking... Uh, sorry, two defensive midfielders against a low block, as we did. I don't know why um, Foden's on the right wing. I don't know why Sterling's on the, on the pitch at all. Um, and Kane just seems... Compl- I don't know what he's doing. Is he trying to devalue himself ahead of um, the summer? I, I don't see what, what's going on there. I just It, it just reeks. I, I, it's just annoying because there's so much untapped potential there. Um, and I don't care how many points are on. If, if Sterling didn't get that scrappy goal, then we could easily be on two points. I know it's hypotheticals, so useless, but it's just frustrating. All the all the build up, and this is the end product. It's just demoralising to watch. Ollie, um, I mean, you, you mentioned Kane uh, a few a few minutes ago. He's certainly uh, struggled to to get to get into any sort of good good positions, get on the ball. You know, we always mentioned that sort of dropping deep for Spurs, and and he's he has continued to do that in an England shirt, which is perhaps not where he's needed given the sort of plethora of talent we actually have in those sort of wide areas and, and sort of in the number 10 position. I mean, how, how, how difficult can it be just for him to say, just, just, just stay on the last man? Yeah, I think it's difficult. I'm slightly more like you, I think, Ben, where I'm just blindly optimistic about anything involving England. But, I mean, Harry Kane clearly knows his game better than any of us do or anyone else does. And clearly he thinks that the best thing he can do for England and for himself is to keep dropping deep and getting involved in the game. I personally agree. I just don't see how it's at all effective for England. I don't think it works for Spurs because he's got Son running in behind uh, and he's able to pick up some great areas. I just don't think it works for England because he hasn't got those runners in behind. He, you know, on the rare occasion that we do create something in the final third, he isn't there uh, to finish it off. And yeah, I think it's just particularly worrying for England 
mainly because of lack of alternatives. So I don't think you know everyone's saying he's undroppable, but he's undroppable because you wouldn't want to bring Calvert Lewin in to start and play ninety minutes. I don't think. Um, I think if you if you do that, then suddenly that England front three looks far less potent. Um, yeah, it is worrying, but he is world class and he is so motivated to win with England that I wouldn't put it past him scoring next on Tuesday. I thought he might score tonight because he was so poor against Croatia as well. Uh, but he'll be feeling that pressure more than anyone else. Um, so I hope and I half expect that he will at some point in this tournament bounce back. And, and George, I guess, looking forward to the Czech Republic game, I mean, it looks like barring, barring an absolute you know, pummeling of the hands of the Czech, we, we should get through uh, in some form. Or another, but but as as Matt said, the the style's not quite been there. Uh, we've we we you know, the, the same problems that we had sort of I guess in twenty eighteen have have sort of reared their heads. What 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 changes are we are well are we are, are you thinking might be needed in that last game? I mean, basically every time the camera panned to Jack Grealish, there was a, a an audible cheer from everyone in the stand where we were at. I mean, he he seems to be someone that that's got to be given at least 60, 70 minutes to try and see if he can can solve this problem. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Grealish definitely needs game time. I, I don't think that necessarily comes at the expense of Foden, but I can also see exactly what Southgate's doing and having Sterling in the team as someone who is running behind, sort of trying to be the son to um, the, the sort of Kane's England equivalent of son is just not very good at it. Um, yeah, I think Grealish needs a chance now. Potentially in the 10, 10 role, I'd, I'd, I'd ideally potentially drop Mason Mountain back a bit because we can afford to do that. Um, and I mean, you just see all these players that play week in, week out is pressing, creative, brilliant football. And they're just, they look tired. They look like, they look scared. They're just under a huge amount of pressure constantly that they're not willing to take real chances they're not they're not willing to properly you know press and put everything out there like we see well like we know they can do i don't know how southgate can get that out of him or if he can because he's now as matt said been in charge five years i've still really not seen many genuinely quality performances from from any england side he's managed despite having the most ridiculous amount of talent um i, I think going forward yeah there needs if we don't turn around with an incredible performance against the Czechs, which we really, really need. I, I think we'll get knocked out in the last sixty. You know, whoever, whoever we come across. I think we're defending relatively solidly, but I think Southgate would just accept that we're going to get pummeled by a decent side for ninety minutes, and we'd eventually concede some stupid scrappy goal like we always do. And rinse and repeat next year in, in Qatar, I'm sure. So, <laughs> um, but I mean, there is every chance if Grealish comes in, and I would, I would absolutely bring Sancho in too. But I mean, um, Southgate seems to have absolutely no intention of doing that. And from there, I would, yeah, just hope that we can turn it around against the Czechs and really put in the sort of performance that might give people a bit of confidence because the players seem to be really lacking confidence and really feeling the pressure. 
Well, that's that's uh, that's a good grain of optimism to end the England chat. Of course, I don't want it to be entirely an England podcast, but I'm sure we'll have many more of them in the future focusing on on England. Um, we'll move sort of more generally to the entire rest of the competition. And I've sort of divided up into three sections. We've got 100% record, zero points, and the surprise packages. So we'll go, we'll start with the 100% record. Um, three teams, although I should say at the at the time of recording, um, France are playing hungry. They are 1-0 down, but if they were to win, they would also have a 100% record, uh, as with Portugal uh, this evening. Um, but at the minute, it stands at Holland, Italy and Belgium. Uh, Matt, I'll come to you first. Which one of those three have impressed you the most? Well, if you listen to the Group A preview, then you might know my love for the Italians. And it's it's come come true, which is great. Um, of the three, I would genuinely say, non-biased, that they have impressed me the most. Um, they're the most convincing. The way they control the game is just simply just beautiful to watch. Um, I don't think there's a weak spot in there. You see when Florenzi got injured, Di Lorenzo's come in, been amazing. Similarly, all over the pitch, they've got options. Locatelli is a, a revelation. Um, got more strings to his bow than perhaps people thought. Um, and while they don't look the most dazzling all the time, they just find a way to to just penetrate and keep going and control the game. And I think no one else of the big dogs look like they can they can beat them. So they're the most convincing for me so far. Um, depending on how Portugal do tonight. So I think, yeah, if they can keep going, they could easily win this tournament. Ollie, Ollie, would you agree? Do you think the Italians have been a sort of standout team? Yeah, I think it's difficult to look past. And I think the beauty of the Italians is that amongst all this turgid football and typical international sort of low blocks and uh, these slightly dull games, the Italy team's the only one who looked like they have a a genuine footballing philosophy. They, they, they sort of play like a club side who have been around each other uh, for a while. The fact that they looked to score all the time, the fact that they went 3-0 up and kept trying to score, is just so refreshing amongst uh, some, yeah, some difficult games. Um, there's just a sort of vibrancy about them I really like. Uh, and as we said, I just don't see why they can't go on and and win the tournament, you know, they're not dark horses at all anymore. Um, I'd say they're very much up there with with the favourites um, and they're winning over neutrals too. So, yeah, i definitely say they're the standout side so far. Uh, George, I mean, if, if, if there's anything to add to, to the Italy chat, then then do do that as well. But I would say, you know, Ollie, Ollie mentioned, you know, they're a team that they look like they've got a style um, and, a, and, a, and a cohesive and a sort of cohesive patterns of play. Uh, one team that maybe has that 100% record that, that still looks like uh, it has the same old problems is, is, is Belgium. Um, yes, they beat Denmark uh, 2-1. They also got, um, they only had six shots to bet to Denmark's uh, 21. Are they still a team that, that as, as sort of as much as it almost as a cliche now, they are just sort of like 11 individuals rather than perhaps that, that team that Italy looked like in these early stages? Yeah, I mean, I think... They haven't looked amazing, but also when De Bruyne, Witzel and Hazard came on sort of with like 30, 45 minutes left of the Denmark game, you saw what that Belgian side could be. They've never really had to rely on defence. Um, and I still think that their defence is passable. I feel like the only side we've seen going forward that would really you know, challenge them would be that, that Italian side. And the, I mean, the only thing I have to 
have to really add about that about Italy is I just look at them with this sickening jealousy that that, that there's nothing in theory in that Italy squad that England don't have or that England can't do. And we then, to then watch performances like that Scotland game, having seen Italy with two beautiful 3-0 wins, is really, really sad. <laughs> um, but yeah, Italy have been brilliant. But absolutely, I think now Belgium have got De Bruyne, Hazard and Witzel all back fit, they'll be a different beast. And I think uh, I'd say they're probably, so far, the second most convincing team I've seen after Italy. Um, I know the Netherlands also have an unbeaten record, but I think they've played a really, really terrible Austria side and got fairly lucky against Ukraine and nearly threw it away. I think they're quite good going forward, but I really don't think they can defend. Um, I think the moment, as I said in sort of Group C preview early on, I think the moment they come across a really quality team, they're going to get destroyed at the back. Yeah, well, I was, I was, I was going to come to you, Matt, but George has nicked all my, my, my lovely introduction saying Holland had the, had the difficulty. No, 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 that's 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 what you're here for. Uh, but no, Holland, you know, they have the arm unbeaten. Um, they have had uh, an easier run of it, I would say, uh, against a, as you said, an Austria side uh, that, that isn't the greatest and uh, Ukraine side that certainly were were pretty gun ho, but still unbeaten. You know, chances are they. Uh, they beat. They they'll win their final game. Go through with a hundred percent record. You know, even if there are um, you know flaws in this in this team, you know, three from three certainly breeds confidence. And and this this Holland team probably going to be on a, a favourable side of the draw. Can you see them sort of going going deep into this competition based off what you've seen? Um, not not really. I think as George said, the group they've been handed is is pretty generous. Um, Austria, they offered nothing the other night. Um, Ukraine, when they start to mount the pressure, they can handle it. And I mean, Macedonia clearly aren't up to scratch. So I don't think this group's a good test of where they're at. I wouldn't personally put them in the group of the big boys currently. Um, I'm not sure about the squad depth there at all. But um, Frankie de Jong's been brilliant. Um, when you've got Depay on your team, you're always going to get goals somewhere or another. And they're going to keep it solid at the back with the three. So... You know they've got experience there too, so they could they could go far, but I, I don't see them uh, if they face an Italy or a France. I don't see them uh, having what it takes. I'm afraid. Ollie, anything you want to add about uh, the Dutch team or the the Belgium team after their first two games? Yeah, I think with the Netherlands, I think I'm slightly more optimistic for them. Delitz is obviously so massive for them coming in uh, the second games. Uh, they look so leaky against Ukraine. Um, but he was absolutely brilliant. And if he stays fit, then I can see them sort of dispelling that myth of being a, a leaky side who are going to concede goals and come unstuck. Um, that starting 11 to me looks pretty well balanced as well. Uh, Dumfries has been a revelation. Um, Veghorst looks like a decent physical presence up top. Uh, Frankie de Jong's been unbelievable. Um, yeah, I mean, I think as we mentioned, I think if they come up against one of the uh, one of the big boys, one of the favourites, then they, you know, they'll obviously be up against it. But I think on their day, um, if Depay clicks and if it's fit, then I don't see them. I can see them going uh, going a decent way. I think just with quickly with the Belgian side, 
they're obviously very reliant on De Bruyne to facilitate um, their attacking talent. He's just, as we know, world-class and was brilliant in that second half against Denmark. So I think he's a difference for them. Um, Lukaku is obviously probably the top striker in the world at the moment. Um, yeah, I think Belgium will need a little bit of luck because they do look slightly incohesive. Their defence is just, it is leaky, it is old. Um, their backup options in for Marlin, it's not, you know, it doesn't scream clean sheets. Um, so that's where I'd look to exploit them if I was playing them, um, especially come up against pacey wingers and pacey strikers. Uh, but yeah, I think both of them have still got some some uh, some melding to do, uh, but they don't look a million miles off it. Yeah, and I think um, as I was saying to Matt um, last night, it's all about building into these tournaments. Um, so you know, they've they've there's there's promising um, foundations in place for all of those teams to to go far. I mean, the other place to turn ourselves to is at the bottom of the tables. Um, three teams on zero points, I think. Uh, North Macedonia. Uh, Denmark and surprisingly Turkey. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm cautious to be too critical of North Macedonia uh, based on their sort of ranking and expectation going in, and and also of Denmark who um, got very lucky, or well, very unlucky rather, against uh, Belgium, and also sort of are still um, dealing with that that horrific incident surrounding Christian Eriksen and, and had had to play that Finland game um, you know, merely hours after seeing. Uh, one of their one of their best players collapsed on the pitch. So I'm 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 pretty pretty wary to to be critical of them. But I think the one team I did want to uh, to talk about was Turkey. Um, they were the 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 dark horses for many in this tournament, as as were Denmark to an extent. Um, but but they they really struggled. You know, outclassed uh, in that first game by Italy, and then and then beaten two 0 by Wales in their Second game. I mean, George, where where has it all gone wrong for this Turkish side? Everywhere. <laughs> they have just been so terrible at virtually every position. I can't think of one player they've got that has had a particularly good game in either of the games they've played. Yilmaz has been terrible. He's looked like an absolute donkey after a brilliant season in Liga. Um, Hakan Chalanoglu is trying to get a, a, a massive me- mega money contract as a as the number ten at a top side, and he's barely been able to play a pass. I mean, they they have some genuinely very very good centre backs in Soyuncu, Demiral, and they've got Kabak as well. And they've Soyuncu in particular has been really poor. I mean, obviously Demiral also got benched for um, um, also got benched for the second game, but. They made Wales look like prime Brazil. Um, it was absolutely embarrassing. Gareth Bale and Ramsey absolutely ripped into pieces and they had no answer anywhere. Um, yeah, it, it's difficult to pinpoint one problem when they have so many. Um, so that, that, I think that's pretty much all I've got to say about them, really. They've just been awful. Yeah, not been a great start. James Reid, head of the Burak Gilmaz Appreciation Society, will be... Uh be seething with your criticism but I think it's pretty warranted Matt I mean they they have I mean you know you fine you give them the the Italy game not a not a great performance but 
against a, a side that you know many fancy to top the group and, and are looking very good. But that that Welsh game was just uh, awful. Yeah, um, the Italy game, it was a case of, you know, were they bad, were Italy good? But when they played Wales, it was clearly the case that they are just bad. Um, and there's no redeeming features anywhere you look, really. And they, they panicked because they changed it around uh, in defence. I just, I don't see this almost hype at all. Uh, he, he must have been brilliant for Lille. The goal scoring record speaks for itself. But he looks old, doesn't look up to it, doesn't look... You know, like he's linking up play with anyone. Uh, Cengiz Under, it doesn't seem like a great player, despite his um, move to Leicester. But it's just a, a case of a hipster choice gone wrong. Uh, Turkey promised everything and have offered nothing. I don't think Soyuncu's um, as good as people say he is. He's being exposed. Demiral equally. Um, so I'm, I'm looking for a reason. I can't. I can't offer one off the bat. Um, but. The goal for Wales at the end, when Conor Roberts just tucked it in and Bale just walked, breezed through them, it was, it was, it was ridiculous, an absolute circus. Um, and they could well finish on zero points now. So, yeah, disappointing. Very disappointing. I mean, Ollie, anything you want to add on that sort of Turkey uh, Turkey barrage? But also, um, I mean, North, North Macedonia and Denmark, you know, they are also on zero points. I should say Poland are as well, but... They haven't finished or they haven't played their second game. I mean, any any hopes for, for North Macedonia or Denmark? I mean, as I said, Denmark sort of under some quite difficult circumstances. Yeah, I mean, not much about the Turkey front. They've been poor. Um, and yeah, their dark horses fallen at the first furlong. I mean, I think North Macedonia, to put a slightly more optimistic twist on them, I think they've sort of vindicated their the Nations League qualification system because they are they have competed I thought 3-1 flattered Austria um, they competed against Ukraine in that 2-1 loss um, Fandev is still going strong Alioski has shown a bit of his his leads form um, yeah I I don't want to patronise them because it's very easy to but I think they've competed very well um, and you know as the complete outsiders they've put up a decent accounts themselves. Denmark, I think, deserve huge credit for the way, as we all know, the way they've gone about it. I mean, to compete with Belgium and run off the park in that first half after what happened is is remarkable, really. I think we were all rooting for them. Um, And the atmosphere was incredible. Uh, I thought that was just all very emotional, that that Belgium game. Um, Yeah, I think, as I say, I think they deserve huge credit for their attitude. I mean, they've lost... Mate, and also from a footballing perspective, they lost their talisman, and they still put up that account against the best team in the world on paper. So, yeah, I think those three teams, like those three teams, Turkey, are obviously the one that deserve the criticism because they've just they've let us all down. Really, I mean, they were dark horses for a reason. It wasn't it was a hipster choice, but it was founded on some evidence of what looked like a very well balanced starting eleven. And I agree. I think Soyuncu, above all, has been the biggest disappointment. He showed some vulnerabilities for Leicester towards the end of the season, but we thought that they'd be strong in the back, but they've just sat back, invited pressure and and just conceded goals. And I don't really understand the system there, especially against in that Italy game. They were just they just produced absolutely nothing. I thought they were just so poor um, sitting back and the goals followed. So I don't I think they've got the talent to go forward and 
and look to score. And against Wales, as we mentioned, they look they look like by far the worst team against the Wales side, which has some superstars, but is nowhere near as good as they were made to look. I don't think. Yeah, I think I think that that rounded off pretty nicely. Um, yeah, so as I said, those are the the three teams on zero points off two games. As you rightly say, Ollie, I think North Macedonia have certainly vindicated their inclusion. They've been uh, very good given their uh, obvious uh, disadvantages, and as you say, Denmark have operating difficult circumstances. Uh, a few surprise packages. Well, maybe maybe not surprise packages, but certainly some that have impressed maybe more than than we expected. Uh, Czech Republic sit on uh, four points after their two games. Wales equally uh, sit on four points. Uh, Sweden on four after a good point against Spain. Uh, Ukraine have looked good in their group. Uh, George, I'll come to you first. Which 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 one of those? I guess sort of uh, outsiders have uh, have sort of impressed and, and surprised you. Um, probably it's between Sweden and um, Ukraine for me. I've I've really enjoyed watching Ukraine's attacking football, I think they're not the best at the back, but they're, they're, they're making the... They're playing to their strengths and it's fun to watch. And I think they'll go out and sort of take the game to whoever is put in front of them. So in the knockouts, they, they might actually be a bit of a dark horse because a lot of the big teams don't like it, don't like it, don't expect these smaller teams to come out and take it to them. But also Sweden, I mean, I think they're really going to struggle for goals. We've always seen that they are. I mean, Alexander Isaac and Marcus Berger are a good, a good strike partnership, but a serious lack of creativity behind them. But they're very solid defensively. Um, I mean, Spain absolutely demonstrated um, how not to play against a low block. But still... Um, their, their low block is very effective and stopping teams from scoring against them. I mean, the, the game against Slovakia yesterday, Slovakia were actually really quite good against Poland and they just completely nullified them. Um, I mean, yeah, Czech Republic, I think, are sort of in the same category as the Netherlands for me is that I think they've they've had two sort of relatively easy games against poor or poor slash overrated sides. They haven't been, they haven't been brilliant but they haven't been terrible and they've sort of got a bit lucky being in the right place at the right time I mean their penalty yesterday was a bit lucky um, and who was the other uh, I, I, I'll let someone else discuss who the last team was well, um, Matt I'll move to you um, home nation Wales you know obviously had a fantastic time of it in 2016 that uh, Hull Robson Carney Coifton still lives somewhere in, in the heart of almost all Welsh football fans. Um, and they've made a very decent fist of it so far. I know beating that Turkish side, uh, you know, as much as they've been bad, you know, Wales did play well. They were on four, so look like they'll, they'll get out of the group either in second place or as, uh, well, actually, they, they, prob- they probably will get out in second place, barring a Switzerland pummeling of Turkey. Uh, any chance we could see... Uh, I mean, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps not a, a same late run, but but them them causing a few upsets in the in the early knockout rounds. Yeah, I mean, I was extremely harsh on Wales in that Group A preview. Said they'd comfortably come bottom. So, I mean, I stand corrected. They're they're clearly built for this to- this tournament or tournament football generally. They they defend well and they break fast and they're creative. Um, and when Gareth Bale's on the pitch, you're going to get you're going to get a goal somewhere along the line. Uh, so, 
been very impressed, I think, of the teams mentioned, probably the most impressive, actually. Um, so I can see them going far, possibly on the semis again, uh, depending on who they get. But I'm, not, I'm liking the way they set up. Um, I'm liking Kiefer Moore, especially. I think they've managed to get him uh, playing to his strengths and playing off him with James and Bale and Ramsey running in behind. So, yeah, uh, looking good for, for Wales, especially given the doubts around Giggs and Page coming in and whether he'd be able to galvanise this squad. And Well, he clearly has. And it's quite irritating as an England fan to see. Yeah, no, it's been a very good start for them. I think they would play the runner-up of Group B should they get out, which, you know, looks like it could be um, one of Russia or Finland. So that is certainly uh, one of the easier knockout ties in the round of 16 that you could hope for. Um, Ollie, I'll come to you last. I mean, anything you want to add? I guess maybe the two we didn't talk about were uh, Ukraine, but also one I guess I realised I maybe should pay attention to is uh, uh, Slovakia, which, which none of us gave any hope to. <laughs> I, I, I think remember being on that podcast and, and saying that, that they would be firmly rooted at the bottom. Now, they find themselves on three points. They've got um, obviously a game against Spain, so they might not uh, get out, although they could do as a, um, one of the third place teams. I mean, Ukraine and, and Slovakia, maybe the last two. What, what have you made of both of those sides? Yeah, I think starting with Slovakia, they're obviously very good in that opening game. I don't know, I just watched that Sweden game yesterday and it it was dire. I mean, just nothing happened apart from the penalty. And I think both of those teams, if there's progress, will just need to expand their style of football a little bit. I understand that Slovakia are probably looking to just get out of there with a draw. Um, but I think both of those teams would worry me uh, just as we've mentioned, a slight lack of an obvious goal threat. Um, the Ukraine, I've been impressed with yeah with their style of play. I think on paper, if you look at a loss to the Netherlands and two-one win against North Macedonia, it doesn't doesn't jump out at you. But um, Zinchenko and Yarmolenko look like class acts, um, especially like watching Zinchenko in the middle. He looks he's obviously been drifting in there with City a lot. Um, when he's been playing left back, but yeah, he's been controlling games and is obviously a class player. Um, I think just briefly on the other two as well, Wales worry me. I want them to do well to an extent, but I think they're obviously a team that just ride on atmosphere and on um, and on feel. And after that win, the national outpouring is so intense that I can see them going. You know, I don't see why they can't repeat Euro twenty sixteen. They are so well backed, um, and yeah, they're ri- riding very similar wave. Um, and the Czech Republic have arguably the most impressive team in our group. Um, I mean, Patrick Schick's taken us all by surprise. I think he got something like nine. He's got nine in twenty-nine games or something um, in the Bundesliga with Bayern, um, and yet he's been so he's been commanding. Um, he's dropped in as well. He's been. He's been everywhere and he's got a pretty impressive Czech Republic career so far. I mean, 14 and 28. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm impressed by them and I'm certainly worried that Tuesday could be another frustrating game for England. Let's not hope so. But certainly, yeah, some, some interesting teams to keep an eye on and certainly ones that perhaps we didn't 
see doing a whole lot coming in to the tournament. Uh, the last spot I want to focus on um, is the group of death. It's a slightly difficult one in terms of, uh, you know, it's last. So the games are currently being played now. I mean, I'm going to do my best Jeff Stelling impression, but Matt's just put in the chat that it's uh, one all. Uh, in that France-Hungary game, um, uh, everyone listening will, will already know the full-time score. So we've not got too much to go on purely because we've not been watching this France game, well, at least the second half of it, and they've only played uh, one game. But, George, the, the France-Germany game, that was the, the opening, and I guess the first big clash between any of those three um, big nations in Group F. What did you make of that game, and, and what have you made of those, those three respective big nations? Yeah, well, I I found the France-Germany game really interesting because I think it was a very similar game to the, I think it was the semi from Euro, 26, from Euro 2016 when France beat Germany 2-0, but the Germans smashed them in every statistic. I think it's just shown that the Germans really haven't progressed from there at all. They're, they're still playing playing this style of football where they really struggle to convert half chances that they're creating all the time. And whilst they look all right, they're very weak, uh, very weak at the back, sort of very vulnerable to the counter. And I mean, Mbappe obviously had a great game. Uh, Pogba and Conte both had a great game for um, for France. And so uh, even though France obviously aren't massively impressing against Hungary, they're the sort of side that plays very, very well against big teams. And so I still think they'll go and um, give Portugal a very good game. Next week, I thought Portugal were pretty average for about 80 minutes um, and then turned it on towards the end. I thought when Renato Sanchez came on and they broke up that that midfield with having Danilo and um, William Carvalho in, they didn't need both of them, especially against a team like Hungary. And when they brought Sanchez in, they looked really, really impressive for about 10 minutes. And so if they build on that, I think they could... They, they could and should go go and beat Germany this evening, um, which might mean they end up topping the group. But um, we'll have to see what happens in the rest of this Hungary-France game. Hungary have been okay; they've been difficult to play against as as we expect as we expected, but they're they're nothing special. Um, I think it. I think their game against Germany next week will be very interesting because we've just seen they can score against a France side that are dominating against them. I think the Germans will come out and dominate them, but they're, just, they're, they're struggling to score goals. And I, I think that might continue. And, we, and as I said in the original preview, we still might see it. I still expect something of a surprise from Hungary against Germany. So, yeah. Well, yeah, Germany currently sitting uh, at the bottom of that table, albeit they do play Portugal this evening. Matt, uh, that, that, that Portugal-Germany game, how can you see that one going? And also... Uh, what what have you made of both of those respective sides? Um, very alarming for Portugal, given that they didn't start playing until the 85th minute against Hungary. Um, as George said, it was Renato Sanchez and Rafa who actually uh, made the difference in that one. So I'd say, like France, um, there's a vulnerability to these two supposed big teams. Um, I don't quite get Germany. I don't get their identity at all. So um, I, I think Portugal probably will, will win that one if they start uh, Rafa, especially, because he looked to be the force that could actually penetrate um, and get people moving, along with Renato Sanchez. You didn't need Danilo and uh, Cavalho, as George said. So I think they should be cautious to be a bit more forward-thinking, 
to play on the front foot against this German side who, who as I said, their tactical identity seems to be up in the air. Um, it doesn't seem like Love will, will bow out and, and find Vettel at all. Um, so I, I think Portugal is still one of the favourites. It'll just depend on whether they can actually get playing, get uh, maximising this potential. Um, I want to see a bit more of Bruno Fernandes. They're clearly solid at the back. But I want to see him linking up play a bit more. Uh, not being uh, afraid of standing in Ronaldo's shadow and, and you know take the game to the Germans tonight, which be which be fun to see. It certainly does promise to be a good game, Ollie. Um, any any final thoughts on any of those uh, big three teams, or I guess uh, Hungary? Yeah, I think well with with the Portugal game tonight, uh, I think it's two teams who like the boys. I've been slightly confused about what their respective identities are. Uh, especially Germany, I think the midfield looks unsure of themselves. You know, everyone was slightly confused about what Tony Cruz's role is now for them. Gundogan was playing out of position. Um, you'd quite like to see him roaming forward a bit more, like he has done for, for his club. Uh, I think about playing starting Werner tonight. I wasn't convinced by Nabry's front man. I think against um, against that Portugal back line, I think he could latch on maybe to an ageing Pepe uh, and just provide something different with his movement in behind. Uh, Hummels obviously looked slightly at sea and it would be interesting to see uh, pumps up Cristiano Ronaldo running at him. Uh, I think Portugal, I thought in the preview that they wouldn't be over-reliant on Cristiano in this tournament, maybe because of Diego Jota, but I thought he was really poor against Hungary. Um, Consistently made the wrong decisions um, and missed missed some, missed some good chances. Uh, so I worry, but in in that respect, perhaps where are the goals coming from if Cristiano doesn't score. Um, but I think that in itself is the slightly worrying thing about Portugal from a different scenes perspective. In that, obviously, a, a scoring Cristiano Ronaldo is a worry for everyone, um, and the fact that he's turned up in the first game of the tournament is pretty imposing. Um, Hungary, yeah, just in that first half against France, they put them under a little bit of pressure actually for the first 20 minutes. Um, but then obviously they're lacking in, in the talent department where the other three teams are so prolific. Um, and they did invite quite a lot of pressure. France missed some big chances. Obviously we'll see what the results is. Um, after the pod, but yeah, I think I probably worry for them, obviously. Um, but no, tonight will be really interesting. It's obviously a huge game. It's sort of now and never for Germany. Um, and as I said, I'd like to see them mix it up a bit because I was slightly confused as to what their what everyone's role was um, against France. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, okay, final thing I will require of you three: um, a player and a team of the tournament. I mean. I feel like Italy's probably going to be the obvious one. So if that is the case, then we won't need too much explanation because we've done that. But certainly player of the tournament will be interesting. So I'll start with you, George. Who's been the player um, and maybe the team that's most impressed you? Well, I'll, I'll get... T- for me, I think there's two candidates for team for different reasons. Italy's the obvious one. But I also think for Denmark to come out and pull off the performance they did against Belgium, where they really could and should have won after the week they've had and to get on the pitch against Finland at all just 
deserve so much recognition and commendation because it must have been incredibly hard for them. So on a sort of moral level, they're my team in the tournament so far. I also think they'll come out and should beat Russia and end up second in that group, um, despite the tough start they've had. Um, for player, I had a few different candidates. So I'm still tr- struggling to pick between one. I think Lucas Hradetsky has been great in goal for Finland. Leonardo Spinazzola has been my favourite for Italy. I think he's just looked awesome at both ends. Um, same actually goes for Denzel Dumfries for the Netherlands. But probably I'd have to go for Romelu Lukaku because he got the two goals in the first game and then the game against Denmark showed how just brilliant his link-up play is, how important he is to that team. And so I'll probably say Lukaku so far. Um, you can look at some. You can look at someone like Schick, I'm sure he'll probably be mentioned, but I, I, I'm not sure he's my player of the tournament so far. Matt, would you would you agree with with George's assessment team wise and I guess player wise? Yeah, yeah, I would. Um, but if I had to say anyone else, honourable mention for Wales, um, as discussed earlier, I think four points from six for them against Switzerland and Turkey is it's pretty impressive um, considering the managerial sort of issues they had going into it um, and their managing game as well which um, I think could put them in good stead for the rest of the tournament so Wales probably the most impressive there um, player-wise could be basic probably will be uh, Locatelli I think for me he's just been a joy to watch um, adding goals to his game as well as uh, controlling the game so yeah I think he's got got great potential um i think he could go far and move to a bigger team after this tournament certainly if it's do better to win it good stuff ollie last but not least um any any players or teams that, that have stood out for you yeah i think the boys have mentioned most of them i think as george said denzel dumfries has been has been incredibly impressive um just marauds forward in such an imposing physical presence um I do find it hard to look past Patrick Schick just from a surprise package point of view. I don't think anyone expects to do what he's done. He's also scored the goal of the tournament. So special mentions to him. Um, I think in terms of the teams, I'd, I'd say the Netherlands are up there just in terms of the amount of scepticism around them before. Uh, I think lots of us in the preview didn't give them uh, much of a chance, but Yes, they look leaky against Ukraine, but they also gave us the game of the tournament so far, I think. Um, and they looked really comfortable in midweek. Um, I think they'll look to dispel those myths, as I've mentioned, about their defence. Um, so, yeah, special mention to them and indeed the Czech Republic. I think everyone expected uh, England and Croatia to slightly dominate this group. I think it's obviously partly down to Croatia being so poor, but. Czech Republic come in and they weren't brilliant against Croatia yesterday, but they look pretty solid. Um, and as we've already seen, that Scotland team is is no joke. So to beat them 2-0 was a good effort, even though Scotland were a little bit unlucky. Um, so yeah, I'd look at I'd look at those two teams at the tournament. Good stuff. Well, I think we've given it a pretty comprehensive run through. Um, as we said, you know, Italy, Belgium, Holland all looking good. A uh, few surprise packages and the likes of Czech Republic and Wales. Uh, there's obviously a lot more to happen. There's um, a whole other game week, uh, which we, I'm sure we will, we will cover afterwards. Um, and then as we look forward to the knockout stages. So uh, stay tuned for more, but from me and the rest of the guys, uh, have a good day and we'll see you then. 
Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.